Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Jane Lee Rankin, sharing insights into her memoir, Farm Family, a solo mom's memoir of finding home, happiness, and alpacas. As Lee shares her experiences, her dreams, I feel there's strong encouragement here for all of us to trust in our dreams, that the path may be winding and might even feel impossible at times, but taking it one step at a time leads to a truly incredible place. Lee Rankin, good morning. It is so great to have you join us this morning. Thank you. I am honored to be here. Well, thank you for for saying that. I feel actually the reciprocal that I'm honored because I it, it's just always so fascinating to me to meet people, how many people, and, and you are here, a woman with, uh, who's done so much in her life with these big dreams and, you know, starting a, a farm with not having that as your roots. I mean, just that whole thought was overwhelming to me. I thought, how could, how could a person do that? But you, but you went ahead and you did that and, uh, w- with an infant and just, again, it's so amazing. Uh, now, you know, looking back, does it feel that amazing to you too? It does. I walk <laughs> around and think I did this, you know, like I'm on a piece of property that was, had a barn and a driveway and a house, and it now has a whole farm. So there was a old growth apple orchard here. The owners of the house that I bought, bought the property from were doing nothing with the orchard. There was a derelict Christmas tree farm and the owners were doing nothing with that. And we started from that and then turned it into a farm with animals, which is very different than things growing because animals take fences and barns and there's a lot to that. Oh, and the nurturing animals would take. I mean, you need to do that, of course, with with trees, with apple trees, with fruit trees, with mm-hmm. with uh, Christmas trees as well. But but the animals um, require so much more. They're living. Well, trees are living beings. Okay, living entities. <laughs> but it's different with animals. And you have you have. Uh, do I call it a, a zoo, a menagerie? Because there's so many different ones. We we call it a farm. Um, the big joke is that we don't add up the number of animals that we have. We could tell you on any given day how many animals of each kind we have, but we don't add them up because we think it would be overwhelming. Oh, <laughs> how interesting. And and it works. It's all yeah. taken care of. Yes. And you've, yes. And you've brought, well, let's say, a business to the area because you have staff. So where people didn't have that opportunity, here's a great opportunity for them. So you've really created just an incredible life. It, it, it really is an incredible life. And we have an incredible team of young people, some, some young and some older, a lot of college students that work with us, a lot of um, young people that are just out of college. And we pride ourselves on being a place to work that they love to work in, but that they also leave a better employee than they came. I mean, how could you ask for anything better? I mean, that's the ideal. That's what we... Right? Yes, right? really. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful that that exists. And And in the context of this is a term that... If I knew it, it was really in the back of my mind. But agritourism is what you've 
develop from this too. And was that actually a vision or did that evolve for you? No, that was that was not a vision. We actually, our goal was to raise, breed and sell alpacas and as well as show because there's alpaca shows where you go and show your animals and prove that you have the best animals and that yours are award-winning and then it's easier to sell them. So we were, that's what we were going to do, that we had no intention of including the public in the mixture. And I defined agritourism as being a farm plus people. So it's bringing people onto the farm for any number of reasons. It could be a farm stay, it could be an event, it could be educational, could be a tour. So our biggest piece of agritourism right now is that we do tours of our farm. It takes about an hour to tour the farm. We limit it to 15 people. It's guided by one of our team members. So it's a walking guided educational tour. And we get people from all ages, from all over that come to tour the farm and meet the animals. <laughs> that is so beautiful. And you, of course, were one of the original tour guides because it's obviously, your farm. Obviously, right? <laughs> obviously. And I still am. I still am from time to time. Depends on, I mean, like right now I'm not touring. Yeah. <laughs> right this moment I'm not because we're talking. Um, and I do still do tours. Generally, though, it's our, our team members and our tour guides that take the tours out. Now, all of this wind back some many years all started with an encounter with an alpaca, correct? Yes. 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 So I went, so in 2000, I went to the Kentucky State Fair. I think it was the first time, it's the first time I remembered going to the Kentucky State Fair. And I had Will, who was my one-year-old with me, and we were wandering through the animal barns. And I came face to face with an alpaca and literally time stopped, the room disappeared. It was just me and that alpaca. And as a result of that, I decided that's what I wanted to do was to raise alpacas. So that was the beginning of the dream. I didn't say anything to anybody for a while. I talked about meeting the alpaca, but I didn't let anybody know that I had this dream and I sort of held on to it and let it grow. And a year later, we were in the process of moving here to start an alpaca farm. Here being North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, we were in Kentucky and Louisville, Kentucky before that. So we had we had found a house, we had sold the house, we had moved, and we were in the process of moving here almost a year later. Like October 1st, we were here, lock, stock, and barrel. Dog, child, me, <laughs> the lawnmower we brought, <laughs> the riding oh, yeah. lawnmower that came with us named George. Um, yeah, so it, it took about a little over a year. And, and it was, it's interesting, you know, I feel, I find myself feeling very honored that I had a dream and that I held it closely and I followed. And it is that process of thinking, I want to do something and then taking one step after another, after another, and keeping that dream alive. And that I feel is so significant in this, in your story, in this whole story, mm -hmm. in being really like a a map or a vision for any of us that you were aware, you, you were sensitive enough, sensitive enough to your surroundings to read those signs and then to respond to them. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and we do that all the time. You know, we decide we want a job working in X, Y, Z, or we decide that we, you know, we want to be in a relationship or we want to have children. We do that throughout our lives. This just happens to be a very obvious and compelling dream. And I've, I, it really has felt so significant to me because I think it happens, but Often people, this is so generalizing, but often they'll just discount it like, oh, you know, that's for somebody else. Oh, it, it's, it doesn't mean anything. But uh, I think we are given these moments of insight, of intuition that really mm-hmm. are significant if we really honor them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Right. And, and so, you, so you did that. So you I did, it. yeah. And, and here I am. And, and what started out as raising alpacas ended up being alpacas, llamas, donkeys. <laughs> we rescued a horse that was pregnant and lame and sick. We, um, you know, we, and it, it just took on a life of its own as life does, right? It, it's never a straight path. It's always, there's always a lot of input from God and the universe that changes our path. And, and it was because of all the animals that we then became a story and people kept hearing the story in town. It's a very small town that I live in. I actually live between two very small towns and one has a thousand people year round and the other one, I'm not even sure they've, it's not really a, a, a certified town. So I don't know that there's a number of how many people are there, but everybody knows each other and welcomes guests that come to the area in a very open and welcoming way and tell some stories. And so my story was one of the stories that got told and people would literally drive up our driveway. And we are at the top of the mountain at the end of a gravel road. And there's no other place to go when you get here. I mean, you're here when you pull up our driveway, you made it. And so being in the South and being the kind of person that I am, I couldn't just say, no, see you later. You know? <laughs> so we, I would engage with them. And 45 minutes later, they would leave having heard the story of the farm. And so we decided that that, that made sense to open a time that people could come and hear the story and we could really walk them around the property. And, and that's, isn't it wonderful to look at how that evolution occurs, that you didn't see all of that happening, but you acted yeah. on what was happening in the moment, the connection with the alpaca, finding this wonderful location and and making that big move with, with an infant son. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. would be overwhelming, daunting for so many. And yet you held so true to your vision. Yeah. Well, and it was one thing at a time. So first it was finding a place to live. And when I drove here with my son and the dog, we came and um, for a weekend to find a place to stay so we could look for property. That's how it started. And, you know, and I had that voice in the back of my head going, you're nuts. You're leaving whatever support system you have to go check this out. And I was like, nah, it's okay. If I, you know, I'll find something to rent for a month. And then when I came to rent, to stay for a month, I heard, you know, you are crazy to think about moving someplace where you don't know anybody. And I kept hearing, if it's the right thing to do, I'll find a piece of property I can't say no to. Mm-hmm. And I did. Like within two weeks, I found this property. It took me a lot longer to figure out this was the property, but it was it was pretty clear. And 
people say, how did you find this? And I'm like, well, it was for sale when I was looking. That's how I found it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and it is, you know, we all live someplace that happened to be open at the time we were looking. And it really is a function of that. And so I trusted that we ended up moving. It happened very fast. And, um, and the rest is history. And here we are like 20 something years later with this, what, what I expected to be this very peaceful alpaca lifestyle, which is now this very thriving farm with people on a daily basis. We're actually open year round. So we are open seven days a week for public tours in our season, which is mid-May to October. But the rest of the year, we are available almost year-round, like every day. So you can come shop the store. You could come take a private tour. You could come take a public tour. So we have this, um, it's a very thriving business. We have a store. So you can come and visit the store and buy products. And that's the easiest way for us to open the farm is for the store because the tour takes, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and scheduling. And we're also taking care of animals. So it has to be that we have enough people on board to be able to bring somebody in, you know, and take you around the farm. Right. So. And out of that evolved this book, which I'm sure must be located right in this store as well. But didn't you have someone, a visitor saying, well, how did this all come about? Yeah, we right? did. We did. <laughs> so it's so there's a, a hill that we at near the end of the tour that we go up and there's goats up on that hill. And it seemed to me it was more than once that somebody would stop. We would stop on that hill and they would look at me with this question of kind of like, what, how, why did you do this? You know, like that, that big question, they would sort of get the enormity of what the farm was. And then they would look at me and go, how? <laughs> and so, and I, so I responded to it a couple of times by saying it would take a book to answer. And that was sort of the beginnings of the idea of the book. And somebody somewhere along the way said, if you're going to write a book, you really need to answer a question. And I was like, well, that'd be a great question to answer in a book. And I started it as a nonfiction book about the story of starting the farm. And it was going to be very nonfiction and it very quickly turned to memoir. So even it had its own path. Yes. But isn't it interesting? Again, it was, you know, someone dropping this little nugget of an idea mm -hmm. or your, well, the question, they dropped the question. Right. You said it would take a book and all of a sudden, oh, it's a light. Right. One right. of those light bulb moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yes, so a memoir, which really gives us such great insights. And again, I think we learn so greatly from stories, from each other's stories. We get insights, encouragement. And I, so reading your story really gives us so many of those enlightening moments, I feel. Yes. And, and, you know, one of my goals, because as I was writing it, I had certain goals, not just, you know, to get this part written by a certain date or to get it done by a certain date, but goals for the reader. And one of my goals in writing it was I wanted people to feel the cold of the barn as I sat willing an animal to live in the middle of the night, mm. because there were so many times that I had experiences like that. And not everybody gets to have that experience. Not everybody gets to have the experience of animals being born and witnessing that and being there to support the animal, the mother, as she goes through that process. 
it's not an experience that people have on a daily basis. So I really wanted to give that to the readers of the book. And I would say you've accomplished that, right? That you just, you have a talent with language, with being able to really uh, draw with words that picture and and get those experiences right into our psyche, into our hearts. I hope so. Yeah. Well, I I feel so. And Farm Family really, uh, as a memoir, really, I think, reaches into us and and gives us such a huge opportunity, you know, to have this uh, really a vicarious experience of being Mm -hmm. on this beautiful farm property. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it's what's funny in in it being, it's been out since January. So in the process of releasing the book, what's What's been so exciting for me is the number of men that have read it. Mm. So I think of a woman's, you know, solo journey as a memoir being very, a very woman's book, right? And time and time again, a couple will buy the book and I'll get a note from the wife and it's like, well, my husband got it and I can't get it till he puts (laughs) it down and he can't put it down. And it's, it's been so um, heartening to see the number of men who have found a lot out of the book. And I think the farm side is part of what brings, pulls them in to some extent. Um, But there has been so many men that have read the book cover to cover. And then they'll tell me, I don't read and I don't read books. And furthermore, I wouldn't dare read a memoir. And then they've read (laughs) cover to cover. It's like, what kind of magic spell did you cast upon me (laughs) to have me do this? Well, it's so gripping. You know, we've really focused here on the culmination of your life for the for the last uh, couple of so decades. But really, you know, as you go into your past, you talk about your son, Will, grew up on this wonderful property on this farm uh, but you were a single mother you and this happened almost really as a miracle because you had gone through breast cancer treatment mm-hmm. uh, survived mm-hmm. that and got pregnant so there's all this part of your life that you know women can really relate to and I'm glad men are reading it because that really gives them an important insight into the women in their lives I'm sure it does. Yes, I'm sure it does. But you over, but you were going through all that. So it's, I, I think it's so important to to for us to understand how there are so many huge milestones along the way in our lives. It's not just this final what we're seeing here with this wonderful mm-hmm. farm, yeah. but you know, overcoming these things and and it didn't get you down. You know, it it in fact, if anything, it probably strengthened you. I, I think it did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. just so amazing to overcome that. So in and I found that interesting with your the with the breast cancer. You were really in control of that, making choices as to what kind of treatment you would have because you mm-hmm. still had the the dream of having a child someday. Right. Right. I did. Yes. Yes. And, it, and then I did. And then you had the <laughs> I child. Did and I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Much as though some doctors didn't think that you should really continue with the pregnancy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was that was terrifying to me. I had no idea that would be an answer to me being pregnant at all. Yeah. Um, the, it was the last the last answer I thought I would get from a doctor was 
that you need to end this pregnancy. Um, and I hadn't thought about it from his point of view, it made sense. And from my point of view, it didn't make sense, but I certainly did not expect that response. Yes. And he was somebody that I very, very much trusted and um, had been through a lot with because I'd gone through surgery with him. And, you know, there had been, you know, and lots of choices about what I was going to do in response to having had cancer. Mm-hmm. And then to have that be the response, I was, I was floored. Yeah. Yeah. But fortunately for you, for Will, yeah. uh, well, for all of us, that you really followed what you knew to be true. And I think it takes so much strength for any of us to really have that strength within us to know that what we need to hold true, not to be swayed by by a professional's opinion. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We know what's good mm-hmm. for us. Right. Right. Well, and I was also caring Will at the time, and I feel like that his presence right at that point was also part of what gave me strength through all of it. Mm. You know, many things, many times that I might have um, just crumpled under what had happened. I had kept going because I had a son and, you know, they wake up at six o'clock in the morning and they're (laughs) ready to go and they're happy and they're excited and it's another day. And, and so, and his presence and being around with him, raising him really, in a way, kind of re-raised me in a whole new way. I mean, I got to live vicariously through him. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the cool stuff to do happens when you've got a little guy with you, you know, <laughs> like all of that stuff. Oh, yes. You know, and it's interesting because here I am, here I am finding myself in this business of agritourism, which is people coming to farms. And it's the kind of thing that we do with children, but we might not do alone, although in agritourism, we do. So adults come and tour the farm because they're interested in learning about farming and they're looking for things to do. And it's the kind of thing we would do with a child. And it brings back some of that excitement of a child of seeing animals. And one of my favorite things is when people come to the farm and we we sort of laugh because we greet the cars as they come, right? And so the dogs go out and greet the people as they come, get out of their cars. And you can tell, you can tell if a car's had a fight on the way there. (laughs) 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 And, you know, and Johnny forgot his shoes and Susie doesn't have her sweater. And maybe somebody was late getting up and whatever. And they come out and then then our role that we take on is changing that experience, really giving them a different experience, which is a slower life and a slower experience as we walk around the farm. We don't drive, we walk. So it's a slow paced kind of time on a farm with time to interact with the animals and to ask questions and get questions answered and hear stories. Many of our animals have stories and many of our tour guides have stories about things that have happened since they've worked here. So it's a chance to tell stories and we don't give ourselves that kind of Mm. experience very often. So when people ask, what are you selling? It's like, well, we're selling a tour, but really we're selling an experience and a connection and a reconnection. Um, We do things like everybody who comes to the farm, when they take a tour, they get a name tag so that if you're on a tour with five other people, you have a chance to learn their names. And interestingly, it helps while you're here on the farm. It helps 
the tour guides. It helps you know the tour guide's name. They have a name tag on. It just breaks down a little bit of that barrier. But many times we hear back that people will each meet each other in town in a restaurant and they know each other's names. So it even it even develops that connection when they leave the farm. Mm. Oh, it is it's so huge what this small experience small because it's you know mm-hmm. maybe it does dozen or more pe- a few more people uh on this tour um and it, it's it's just you doing what you love and sharing it with others as do your employees mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. because they're loving it but in being able to connect with each other and see each other i just see that this is then kind of the model for what our world needs this connection of I know your name, we can connect, and, and we've had this, well, animals help us to feel more peaceful. They have a way of, of bringing do. that out, they right? Do. Yes. Yeah, they do. As do the mountains. I mean, these mountains are full of crystal, and I'm sure it has something to do with the age of these mountains, I mean, some of the oldest mountains mm-hmm. in the country, and there's that, and there's the views, and it's just a really wonderful experience. And people come back you know, even though they arrive having, you know, all this tension in their face and you can tell they've been fighting, they arrive back from the tour. The tour ends in the store. We took a note from Disney on that one. So you end, <laughs> we end the tour in the store and people come into the door of the store and they are lit up, smiling and laughing with each other. And it's a huge gift to give to the world right now. Yes, I I really feel that, and uh, I'm glad you realize that too. You, yeah. again, it's one of those. Do we call it a byproduct? It's something that was there, but your making it come to life gives this, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the opportunity to p- people to really experience and and to be part of, well, the solution of going yes. forward. Yes, right? yeah. yes. Oh, that is so wonderful. So here, uh, so the store, again, we're here to to talk about your memoir, Farm Family. It's a, a great place to, or a focus of conversation to talk about all these other things. But it's also your second book because you first had an amazing new cookbook, an amazing cookbook. It's not new because this is new. But um, so that's another part of you that is just so amazing, inspiring that uh you love to cook. You, in fact, you have a, a degree in culinary arts. Yeah, I went to school at CIA, Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. And um, as a result of that, wrote a cookbook. And it was not my recipes. It was Annie Johnson, who had worked for our family growing up. She was the backbone of our family. And after culinary school, I went back and asked her if she would let me you know, put her recipes in writing and create a book. And so it's the book's a tribute to her and all she did for our family. Which um, I, was, you know, that yeah, story is an amazing woman, amazing woman. Yeah, it so. sounded like it. She sounded like this very important role model in your life. Yes, very much so. Very much so. I was the only girl in the family and I had three older brothers and I needed as much support as I could get. <laughs> and and they, they were not awful, but I definitely needed support. <laughs> and then what happens? You have a son, but isn't that perfect? Mm-hmm. I mean, you this has been the best place for him to have grown yes. up. Oh, you know, and the and one of the things when I look back on it, one of the smartest things I did 
was start a farm as a place to raise a child because it was the perfect upbringing for, he was very gregarious. And, you know, when we would travel and go to a restaurant, he would go around and invite people to our table. You know, he was very, <laughs> you know, age two and three, very gregarious. So he needed a lot of room and it was one of the smartest things I did. And he got to be part of the birth and death of animals. And he is um, compassionate and grounded. He's such a great such a great, I say kid, but he's a man. He's young 24. Man. Yeah. He's a young man. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, well, it's an incredible story. And again, here we are with coming back to story and how important it is for us to share, for us to learn from each other. We get, we can get so much encouragement. It gives us hope, uh, helps us to dream as well and see that, uh, you know, dreams can come true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And interestingly, I was just teaching a class in Tennessee and I said at the end of it, I said, you know, I was 40 when I started the farm. Like I wasn't even young. Yeah. I wasn't 20. I was 40 when I started the farm. So there's no, no time like the present. Yeah. Don't make age any kind of number. Disregard it. It is just a number. Right. Right. Yes. Well, this has been so wonderful to connect with you, Lee. I love your memoir. I love the farm. And uh, we let's mention the website so that people might be intrigued, might be planning vacations and get out uh, into those mountains. Makes It certainly is drawing me. There's a call. So the website okay. is? So the website is applehillfarmncfornorthcarolina.com. Very simply, applehillfarmnc.com. And um, the book is available on the website. It's also available on Amazon. Anywhere you go, you can get it. It's under the name of Jane Lee Rankin. Jane is my first name. So we used Jane Lee Rankin as the author on the book. Um, There's also a website for my writing, which is JaneLeeRankin.com. That's more book focused. And I think that's it. And we're on Facebook and Instagram and all the all, most of the socials, not yeah. all the socials. Some of the, Facebook and Instagram are the main socials we do. So wonderful. As this has been, it's so wonderful to connect with you. Yeah. I love what you have created in and with your life. And uh, thank you so greatly for sharing some of that with us this morning. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Jane Lee Rankin and Sunday Morning Magazine with Barbara Fagan. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I so greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the Listen tab, then Podcasts, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of big dreaming, of beginning the journey to pursue that dream. Have a week of the same, and then please, plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.